At least when Mike and I first met, and I was going to all, well, I still go to most of his shows, but you were kind of being introduced to the opening act or whoever yeah. else was kind of in the scene at that time and yeah. pretty in the loop. Yeah. And now we're, well, Mike is kind of the, the OG in the industry. I'm so. still young. Come on. Uh, Come on. Relatively speaking, <laughs> yes. You're still in the 30s. It is nice to see, like, new people being nominated for stuff. Because, like, traditionally, in my experience in the music industry, you can just be like, oh, well, we know who's going to be nominated for that category. And then it was just completely different this year, which is cool to see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think a lot of things are changing. But certainly post-pandemic, when artists have been at home and not out in the public eye performing yeah. it you can feel that shift and it's like this rebirth of art now that you're either really hungry for but like you were saying it's hard. ticket sales are sometimes sold out immediately and other times not so much not so, so much. i don't know if that's a covid thing or not but yeah. we'll see where the th- where the industry goes fingers crossed our show isn't canceled no it'll be a go i hope do you have festivals coming up no, I didn't apply for anything this year, really. Yeah. Just, I really wanted to focus my energy on recording yeah, with Mike. Because so. yeah. I find like every time we book shows, the band and I can't work on new songs because we're preparing for shows. And then I keep being like, oh, I want to work on this new song. But we're, we keep trying to rehearse the same old songs for gigs. So, Do you have a cycle where, or, or seasons maybe, you're like in the winter we write and record, in the summer we perform and tour, or does it look different all it's year long? so different. It just depends on what I actually remember to apply for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like whatever, whenever I see, like applications open, I'm like, oh, I should apply for that. <laughs> but that's it. Yeah. Yep. Do you work that way, Mike? Um, I, I try to, <laughs> try to be a little... <laughs> I try to be on top of things, but I'm not. I am not always. This you know, is your older wisdom coming out it's, now. Uh, it's kind of that sounds a little. Um, you're just kind of blowing with the wind, you know. It's yep. whatever direction it takes you in, which is fine. Uh, and I've, I've, I do that in certainly some areas, but. Uh, I try to mark down some deadlines here and there. I always do. Is- Coast Music Awards and Music Week and Pop Montreal like every year. But other than that, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's happening. And I keep trying to set reminders for like CBC Searchlight or whatever. And then I looked the day after it closed and I was like, good. So I missed that again for the third year in a row. <laughs> next we'll year is your year. year. We'll, hey, we'll, we'll year. record a song. We're going to record a song that's going to go win next year. Next month or so that is going to win Searchlight. Yep. And uh, yeah, without further ado, we are here today with Burry, Ellis Burry. What is going on, friend? Hi, friends. We're so happy to have you here. It's been a long time coming. It's cool because we get to kind of hang out in our backyard from time to time and we're friends, but we haven't had a chance to really dig into stuff dig with into you, trauma. at least in a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get into my trauma. We won't go there immediately, but... <laughs> I can't afford therapy, so that's why oh, well, I agreed to this. <laughs> that's what we're here for. So uh, a few years back, I I opened up my email and saw a message from Burry. <laughs> and I had, I had heard your name just circulating through the music scene, but never met you, didn't know you personally in any way. And you just reached out saying, hey, 
I'd love to meet up and chat about music and the music industry. And I thought that's awesome. Like I, that's just takes, uh, not courage, but just that that's initiative. And you, you want to meet up with me cause I've been playing music for a, a fairly long time. Years. I'm still young. <laughs> Come on, everyone. This is going to be the theme. Yeah. I can tell. And, <laughs> and I'm like, let's, let's meet up. So we went to the library, the beautiful new library in Halifax. And we had a chat for probably a couple hours yep. and we've been friends ever since I end up recording your first song that you released in what year was it? 2016. You're both staring off into the sky <laughs> right now. 2016. Land, Land of Monsters. Land of Monsters was that song. And that was my first introduction to your songs. Then we did an EP together. But what, what, uh, what inspired you to reach out and where, where were you at at that stage? Off your career and what what brought you to that exact moment in time? I had released like my very first single with a producer. I just like Googled producers in Halifax and it was yeah. the first one that came up and we released For a Sad Soul. And I think at that point I had reached out to a few people like T. Thomason and Bria and Mo Kenny. And I just was like kind of shooting emails out hoping someone would answer and two people answered me and it was you and T. Thomason. And I opened for T at the Marquee. It was my first show ever, really, like, with a band and stuff. And then you answered, and you were like, let's meet up. And I was like, cool. And then we established a friendship and a recording relationship as yep. well. I remember LSU being in our... I think I came home from work one day, and you were in the backyard with Mike, and us chatting about how difficult it is to break into the arts industry like yeah. for both of you, the music scene, but I certainly feel that as a painter. And do you think it's more the support of your peers or is it the industry itself? Is it fans? Is it marketing? Like what makes that a hard egg to crack? I think what I found with the music industry is it's almost clicky. Like once you're in, you're in, but if you're not in, they're like, who are you? And they just kind of do their own thing. So to like, have a support of a peer, like even just having Mike answer my email was like a foot in the door. Yeah. And I think that's huge. Just even for anyone listening, that is really all it takes to yeah. feel supported. Like you just want someone to answer an email. I just, I sent off so many emails that like, like classified and Quake Matthews. I was just sending off emails to anyone being like, can you give advice on the music industry? And I think after I'd met up with you, I actually did get a response from Bria as well. And then we went for coffee and I just picked her brain about the industry and like just getting that connection with people that already are there and, and where you want to be is yeah. super helpful. Well, that's just, that just uh, seems like such an obvious way to, to learn about the, the industry you're in. Yeah, but no matter what job it is, if you're a musician or a a teacher or in the Navy, like you just want to talk to people who've been there a little bit longer and ask, ask them questions, how they navigated, how they, how they felt when they first started. And I feel like not a lot of people do that. Yeah. Well, not only that, but I think from an outsider's perspective, you have a certain view or image as to what being a musician looks like, but yeah. that's because most people see the glam part of it. Yeah. There's not all of the awareness of what it's actually like. Yeah. Is that, like, do you feel like that's true for you? 
Yeah, I mean, I first got, like, before I even released music or anything, my first taste of the music industry was my friend's band in Ireland was doing a couple shows throughout Ireland. They had a van and their sound tech, and they packed up the van. They packed me up, and we went because I was visiting, and I hadn't seen Ireland. And I just worked merch for them, and I got to see the industry from, like, that perspective, like, on the road, Mm. essentially. I was like, this is so cool. Like, that's what I want to be doing. And then... It started to get more like once I was doing it myself, I was like, there's so much more to this, like marketing and business and merch. And yeah. Yeah. For better or for worse. Yeah. Yeah. So let's take it back a little bit further, even before we met on that fateful day for for coffee. Well, actually, I don't drink coffee. What I had a tea. I had a uh, peppermint tea. Anyway. <laughs> tea drinkers take over it. here. Let's I'll take, take all it. your caffeine. Yeah. Oh, I love caffeine. Don't get me wrong. I had... Uh, homemade ice cap this morning. Ah, oh, you've had your fix then. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm a, I'm a wuss with caffeine. <laughs> but uh, so you, before you played music, you you were an athlete. You I were was. a rugby player. Yep. At uh, St. Mary's University, and did you play music during that time period? Not really. High school is when I played like a lot of music. I did yeah. IB music, and I did concert band and jazz band. I'm very savvy on the clarinet. If you guys ever need clarinet. I'd love to hear clarinet. (laughs) I still have it. Um, So I did a lot of music in high school. I kind of stopped in university. But in second year, I bought an acoustic guitar. So I was like, this would be fun to learn. And I just started to teach myself slowly. So you didn't play a guitar before then? Um, Not really. I think I had a class in like elementary school. But other than that, no, I just started to teach myself how to like pick and chords and stuff. And here we are. I tried to learn a single song when we were at our artist residency last month, and I have a whole new level of respect for people that play an instrument, especially the C chord. Like, we <laughs> do not have a good relationship. That's me some, with any bar chord. I can't play this. Some of the best guitar players in the world can't play a C. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tricky one. I think that's Guitar mm. 101, but I really no, struggled. You did good. I think you were sounding great. Yeah, I'll have well, my debut another you're another planned, episode. You're hired for me. Let's go. Uh, you'll regret that. <laughs> so you you had some music in you, like yeah. you, you were playing in high school, as yep. you said. And did you always feel like you were a musical person or a creative person? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was always. I did piano lessons, and then in high school, like any time I could do anything musical. Like I was in all the musicals, literally. Yeah, and all the bands I could be in, and in IB Music. Every Friday, we would switch instruments and learn a, like a Maroon 5 song or something. So, yeah. played drums, bass, whatever you name it. That's fun. And what about creating? Like, because uh, I personally see a, a, a fairly big difference between being able to play an instrument and also like writing a song. Like, yeah. They're, they're two separate things, ultimately. Um, where, when did you start writing? Not until after my friend passed away, and then I was just, like, fiddling on the piano, and that was, like, 2016, I guess, yeah, Yeah. and just started fiddling, and then I started writing poems, and then I was like, what if I put the poems with the stuff I'm fiddling? And that's where Four Sad Soul came from. Was it that that moment in your life, that incident, that led to you just needing to get something out? Yeah, I guess. It's also the reason I went to Europe. Which is where I met my friend who's in a band there, which initially inspired me to pursue this as a career. Mm. So, yeah. Very cool. Full circle there. Full circle. Yeah, we we often have, like, people will ask me as a painter, 
what like how long it takes to make a painting or what inspires a piece of art and I've gotten used to just responding that it's kind of the culmination of my life yeah and of course sometimes that's broken down into something more specific like I I want to paint a memory from my grandmother's house uh, something like that but I, I find that of course it's it's the collection of experiences you've had or feelings that you felt or traumas you've experienced that really make you an artist as a whole. Yeah. Do you think that like are you able to separate those things or is do you have that same experience where it's like here's the whole package you're going to find in everything I make? Yeah, I think that's the same experience for me. Yeah. yeah. Is it is your songwriting still like is has it evolved from that 2016 initial writing? Not really. Unless I'm co-writing with someone, I still will write lyrics first. Like I'll just write it as a poem first. Okay. And then like it'll be short and then obviously I have to expand on sentences to make verses for a song, but it always starts as a poem. Yeah. And are, are, do you have a spot you like to go or no, anywhere. I just, I have my notebook everywhere I go. Yeah. yeah. You're a, a napkin writer at times? Yeah, if I have to be. <laughs> or I'm, the notes in my phone, too. I just have a, a list called song things, and it'll just be like one line I think of or like something that I just throw in. And then if I'm writing a song, I'll go back to that and see if any of those like kind of correlate with the theme of the song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like you, you kind of come up with a, a beautiful sentence. Or, yeah, I'll yeah. like think of something. I'm like, that's neat. That could be a lyric. Yeah. yeah. Do you do that, too? Yeah, I am I'm kind of the same. I'm always just looking for for lines and melodies and concepts and whenever it comes out I'm either humming it into a voice memo, writing it down or just 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 trying to find that that hook whatever it may be, if it's a a word, a sentence or an actual melody or even a riff sometimes like i have voice memos of me just like like oh that's a cool guitar riff i don't have a guitar around so i have to hum that and it's gonna sound stupid but it's it's only for me and the people listening to this but uh i would love to dive into your voice notes sometime that yeah. sounds fun <laughs> I, I have geez i have probably thousands they just and some of them and some of them are the progression of a song like like we made a video, uh, the making of our song Queen, and I went back to my voice memos, and I probably had, I don't know, forty or fifty voice memos just for that song, and it, you can kind of see the progression take place. Like the very first idea is, I think it was maybe the guitar riff in that song, and then there's probably fifteen videos of me trying to figure out a melody for different parts and then it's just slowly happening. Then I come into the studio and start making demos and it's it's a process and some songs for me come well a lot quicker than that one. Like yeah. uh they happen in a session, you just sit down to write and you're you have a fully formed fo- song in whatever that whatever that time was a half hour less more but then other songs like where you're figuring out parts for an extended period of time uh you do you feel you gravitate towards either one or is it just a, a process that you never know how it's going to be process how i never know like <laughs> if i'm co-writing with someone i find we can finish a song and like an hour but if i'm yeah. on my own it's like i come up with lyrics first and then the next time i sit down i might start fiddling with 
a guitar line or a melody, but yeah, yeah it takes a lot longer when I'm on my own. And you, you had this tragic event that kind of propelled you into being a creative person. Uh, you feel that the songs you write, you need something to happen in your life. Not necessarily bad. Like I know that instance was, 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 uh, was very bad, but do you, can you just write a song at any time or do you have to have some type of feeling going I definitely need body? like something yeah. like a feeling whether good or bad but mostly not good like i find the happier i am the less i can write which is weird but like the past year has been like awesome and incredible and i've been so happy so i haven't like i literally have not written a song since last summer just because yeah. i'm just like so in the moment that i'm like oh yeah i play guitar like i forgot mm, that i have so that interesting. In but the minute something like sad or bad happens i'm like i'm writing about this hmm, i'll kick you in the knee after. yeah do it yeah have you tried to <laughs> capture that good feeling i like i don't even know where to start i guess i have to like dive more into that you should i yeah. should see what happens there can be weird a song about being happy that's unheard <laughs> of in my world <laughs> i know you and uh your partner sam are just getting back from a five-week road yep. trip yeah across the country across and back country again and back again like little hobbits <laughs> yeah so i want to hear more about that but speaking of yeah positive experiences did you do any writing on the road or were no. you just kind of living nope. in the moment just living and, in the moment yeah good for you all the notes i wrote my phone were just like funny anecdotes that happened that we were like that's hilarious and then i recorded every place we saw a wild animal but that's like i was just like so in the moment <laughs> about the trip that I did have my guitar with me, and every time we camped and it wasn't pouring rain, which was once, um, I played, but it was mostly just songs I already have. Yeah. Yeah. When we were in Columbia, we played this game called Rosebud Thorn, and so we were asked to share our rose of the day, oh, which so was apple kind and of onion. the highlight. Yeah, yeah apple and onion. I <laughs> yeah, get it. Yeah, yeah. So what was your apple and onion of your road trip? The apple was just getting to spend all that time with Sam and being in those spaces and maybe finding potential future spaces to be in um, onion or thorn would be the homophobia that still exists in our country. Yeah. Yeah. And you shared a yeah. little list with me on the weekend <laughs> yeah. as to some of those encounters. Yeah. I mean, they're funny and we can laugh about them now, but it's also like if we aren't, if there was someone who couldn't laugh about it, that's horrible, but we're just so lighthearted about it. We're like, you're a bigot. That's weird. How is it being lighthearted about this? So, and I ask that because, and we talked about this on the weekend, like this is something as like Mike and I, of course, we would not have the same types of encounters. So it's easy for us to imagine like, oh, well, you kind of have to have patience or well, because you're in the middle of nowhere, Canada, and like there's yeah. still kind of this rationale behind it. Yeah. So it's. It's lovely that you're able to sort of maintain a sense of humor, I'll call yeah. it. But does it really feel that way in the moment? I mean, in the moment, yeah. Even we were laughing like that old lady that was like staring at us and I, like got really freaked out when we said we were dating. But like we were still laughing. Like just imagine being that bigoted. Like I just couldn't even like it's funny to me that people are just like, no, I'm right. Yeah. Some of those extreme disbeliefs like it's are comical. Like, right? it's yes. Like you've never thought of anything else in your life. And like your biggest concern now is me. That's pretty weird. But I love yeah. that for us. Is this a new um, 
like journey for you being public facing with your gender identity and traveling with Sam? And has this been part of your life forever or is it something you're more open and vocal about now? It definitely hasn't been forever. I mean, I only came out as like lesbian or queer in um, third year university. So that was like new there. And I didn't have much like education about the queer community or anything then. And then started to educate myself a bit more. But when I came out as non-binary, like I really noticed a change. A change in yourself? Yes, and yeah. others. Mm, yeah. What kinds of changes in yourself? Just confidence. Yeah. Truly. Right. Yeah. And so what did that what did that progression look like for you? Was it about, okay, I have a little bit more knowledge now, so I feel more comfortable in this identity or yeah. in my body and talking yeah, about yeah. it? Yeah. Talking to other people who are non-binary, really, like, I was like, oh, so other people do feel the same as me. Right. Yeah. I think that's like with most things. We yeah. just want to feel understood. Yeah. And that we belong to something. and. Yeah. Like having somebody else say like, oh, yeah, I felt that way or I've been through that is huge. Yeah. Yeah. And are you that person now to I others? I hope so, yeah. yeah. Like when people reach, I have people in my DMs on Instagram and TikTok, like younger non-binary and queer people just being like, how did you like tell your parents or how did you know mm. you were non-binary? And then being able to be that person for other people. Yeah. Is there a like a formal like platform or community that you participate in not like formally yeah. i think i have like almost 14,000 tiktok followers yeah. and a lot of them are like young queer kids that just want to see someone like them on a platform as yeah. big as tiktok yeah. yeah i guess that's what yeah. i mean something yeah. like yeah you you're a bit of a a representation i suppose yeah. or or a space of safety and comfort for others yeah i hope so yeah cool and that's like Kristen said, we in and no matter what we're doing, we all want to just feel comfortable and at ease and safe. Yeah. And again, like when when you reached out to me about the music industry, it's like I just want people out there to be no matter what they do, just be open to helping people who yeah. are who are in the same boat as them. Yeah. And you're obviously doing that in multiple ways now, and that's that's gonna just the next generation of people are going to just feel so much more comfortable and yeah. at ease and like how much better will the world be with, with just a population just be, being themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Like, being yourself is sort of at the root, I guess, of, of all, all of our existence as humans. Yeah. yeah. How much of that message do you bring to your live show? A lot. Honestly, I make my shows as queer and open as possible i want them to be a safe space i want people to feel comfortable to come and drag if you want or if mike wanted to wear a dress like do it dude yeah love that for you yeah like i want it to be that space where people can just express themselves and so that's what i do on stage i always have my pride flag up on stage like i want my band i make sure they're all people that support the queer community or are queer themselves allies just make it that space for people yeah, there's there's it seems that as though there are opportunities and support systems. Halifax from an out, you know, it, it appears to be an inclusive city. Mm -hmm. We've been I, I mean, we were just in New York. So there's that that's like the grandiose of everything. Yeah. But we were also in Columbia before that, which it's just we didn't face any, um, you know, we were kind of in a bubble where we were. But 
we were fortunate to be in a very inclusive space where we were as well. And it seems like the world is slowly but surely catching up to some of yeah. these ideologies. So, yeah, yeah. small towns in Manitoba, they're just a few steps behind. <laughs> They'll get there, though. <laughs> we're working on it. But even even Nova Scotia, like, for the most part, I feel like Nova Scotia is like 10 years behind the world in, it, in it everything. Is. It really is. And some of those things are, are nice. Like, like, we have just... I don't know, just a, a lot of, um, you see, old cars and yeah, <laughs> just yeah. nostalgic, nostalgic things. And then there's other, like, ideas that take a little bit longer. But I, f- I feel like most, a lot of the issues, anyway, I can't say all or most, but just just time and people being exposed to it and people like yourself highlighting what it's like to, to live this yeah. This lifestyle and just to to be who you are. Like I think that's one hundred percent important. And we can't expect, I guess, everyone just instantly to be the same just because it's impossible, I guess. Yeah. With with anything. Like I can't all of a sudden like want or expect everyone to understand my music even. Like yeah. a super simple example. But I think like slow like Nova Scotia, I think in the last five years it's just kind of Yeah just skyrocketed in a positive way for sure even being like in small towns and other places and other cities like nova scotia is for especially specifically in my experience for the queer community it's it's up there with like being inclusive and it's not perfect there are still homophobia and transphobia in here but it's much better than other cities we went to which is nice to see because nova scotia is like you said a few steps behind in most Cases. And Halifax is is a really progressive city, which is yeah. which is great. And except they closed all our queer bars. There's like one now, but I know. And that's there's no like space that's fun for, for no matter who you are. We all want to go to those yeah. bars, <laughs> but you want that like safe space for queer people to be like, I can go out tonight and have a drink and not get beat up. But there's it just seems like, wild that that does not exist here. I, I think like, it will. Reflections or... it still exists, but it's been so like kind of taken over by the straight community that now it does it just doesn't feel like a safe space anymore yeah. it's just not that safe place and i assume like well a million businesses end up closing during covid like, yeah. i wonder if that was a factor too like bars had a tough go the last few yeah. years so so hopefully like it's just a uh, a matter of well in the next next little bit some someone should open one because it will do well. Yeah, like even from a strictly business standpoint, like it would. It, it has. Not, there's the market for it in Halifax. Yeah. Halifax mm-hmm. has such a big queer community. Yeah, it's it's really great and encouraging to hear you say this because it's almost like a bit of a research project that you would have just undergone having been across the whole country yeah. and coming back feeling proud and supportive of your home province. Yeah, truly, there was like. There was, we have like a list of cities that we were like, this we didn't, no one like made us feel uncomfortable. No one seemed homophobic. No one stared at us. And we just felt safe and fun in this city. And then it was mostly towns that we were like, we didn't really feel super safe here. Yeah. There was places where we were like, we have to pretend that we're just besties or sisters. But Mm -hmm. like Halifax is on the list of cities we feel relatively comfortable and safe and supported in. Were you 
looking out of curiosity for places you might live? Yes. Okay. That was that was So what would be like top three places? Top three. I don't I can't speak on behalf of Sam. I know we agree on my top one, which would be Jasper. Mm. Um small, but like being out in the mountains has like been a goal of mine. Yeah. Um another one for me would probably be Vancouver. Mm-hmm. I don't know how Sam feels about that one, but I loved Vancouver. I love that my brother's there. It's super big, but not too big. It's like easy to understand. I always have a blast there. So Vancouver and then probably Montreal. Yeah, great choices. Yeah. And quite different, actually. Yeah, yeah, all very like different. So it'll be a tough decision. And is it, are you actively looking to move or it's just kind of like, ah, oh, we'll pay attention yeah, to this? Yeah, not right this second. Um, yeah. I think you probably know that uh, massage therapy is what's the word Sam uses? It's different in Nova Scotia than it is in other cities. Like she can't move to another province and work there as a registered massage therapist. Right. Yeah. Like a lot of professions. Is. So she would be registered with MTANS, it's, yeah, it's yeah. called, or yeah, I think that's what oh, it is. Oh, it's regulated. In Nova she says so right. Nova yeah. Scotia is not regulated and everywhere else is. So she couldn't work. Yeah. So we're not like looking to move now, but like if it becomes regulated, that would definitely be on our horizon. Today's episode is brought to you by Stephanie Warren Hair Studio. This beautiful boutique studio is an independently owned salon inside of True Salon Suites in Bedford, Nova Scotia. It is a private suite that is fun, energetic, and LGBTQIA2S plus friendly. The studio opened in 2018 and has been operating full tilt ever since. Stephanie has 19 years experience with many advanced courses including coloring, cutting and extensions. She has a passion for coloring and never turns down a good highlighting session. She loves to make people look and feel their best inside and out. She has a passion for people and it shows through her fabulous clientele. Visit Stephanie Warren Hair Studio on Instagram at Steph Warren Hair. How has having a long-term partner and falling in love and all the these good warm things changed you i know you've talked about like maybe songwriting isn't at the top of the list right now but going back to agreeing that being a creative person involves all of the things in your life how do you see that shaping your creativity i i honestly don't know at this point i'm just like vibing and having fun and I guess I should probably get my butt back in gear music-wise. Um, but yeah. Just... I think we could all use a little vibing and having fun. Right? I just lives. haven't had that for a while. Yeah. So I want that now. I'm having fun doing that now. I, th- I think you you have to try to see what kind of song will come out of I you. I know. We'll see. With this feeling because it may be something magical, right? Yeah. Like you're, you, you took these moments of despair and pain and heartache before and crafted something and yeah that's that's really diving into your your emotions and why what it is to be human but feeling what you're feeling now is also very human too yeah so i think just try just try picking up a guitar and seeing what happens or even starting with my poetry yeah or how yeah yeah. however it works for you i think i think it would be really neat just to and again, like you can, you can touch on this positive thing that's happening in your life, but still craft your, your words or whatever you're cr- creating in any way you want. 
Yeah. Like a super happy, positive song can sound any way you want or vice Mm -hmm. versa. Like there's incredibly happy sounding songs that are about heroin. My whole last EP. There you go. About (laughs) heroin. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Your drug years. (laughs) But I, I think just like you're, you're an emotional writer. Like as I've, as I've come to found out, I just think just tapping into this this well of positivity may just create something that's yeah really really neat, and I'm I'm excited to see that. Yeah, we'll see. Was it easy for you to embrace joy and happiness this past year? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. great. It was. It's been amazing. Yeah, because I think sometimes we get very stuck in this emotion of you know life might feel a bit flat or we we have anxiety a lot of people of course are on the heels of a difficult few years and sometimes when you feel happiness and joy and maybe haven't for a while or ever it's hard to know what to do with those feelings it's almost easier to resort to something bad i'll call it yeah yeah. because that's where we've lived for so long yeah so good for you for being able to embrace it. Yeah. Yeah. You're just rolling with just it. Just vibing. <laughs> Look at this. This one just beaming. Yeah. You are our kid. Yeah. Yeah. So we've, we haven't officially adopted Alice and Sam. As but... a 27 and 23 year old. I don't know if you can, can you? <laughs> it'll be something, it'll be something unofficial, but we all yeah. have that understanding. Just have a paper crayon. Yeah. Do you adopt me? Question mark. And then you both sign. And then you can check the box. <laughs> check yes. Backflip for no. <laughs> Only because you know there's not a chance in hell we could do a backflip. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you showed up wearing your Crocs today. I did with my gibbets. You're a, a long-term Croc wearer. Mike and I are brand new to this. I'm brand new. Are Sam's you the too? long-term. Oh, uh, she's wearer. the influence. She got us into it. Okay. And I didn't want the the other Crocs. I like the slides. They're just so easy to slip on and off. Yeah. Good water shoes, too. You're pretty into yours, too, aren't you? Oh, they're just... Like I was saying earlier, uh, there's... Sometimes when you go to a a park, like a kid's park, not that I'm often... (laughs) Not that I'm often in kids' parks, (laughs) but, like, you're walking by... We can edit things out. You're walking... (laughs) My exact reference is uh, the, the, wave. the wave in Halifax. And mm. I guess I'm referring to that as a park, even though it's not. But the, the, the floor, the ground is this squishy material. Yeah. And I remember a few years back walking across that like, man, life would be so much better if every step felt like you were on a squishy park floor. And now that I have a pair of Crocs, <laughs> it feels exactly that way. Every step is just a little bit of heaven on each of your feet. I did have a pair of Crocs way back when I was probably like 11 or 12. Like when they first came out, I got the like pastel pink ones with a bunch of gibbets. And I lost them. I don't know where they are. But I did have the like first ever Croc. And then I just didn't have the them originals. since. The gibbets thing is new to me. Oh, we'll get you in but the gibbets. But they've been around for a while? Since, since day one. Okay. Little gibbets. They're little like pins you just pull out. Yeah, and okay. stick in. That's my pink duck. We're looking at a little duck here. Little pink duck. Cute. Yeah. And the croc store we went to in the West Edmonton Mall had hundreds, thousands. I think West Edmonton Mall probably has thousands of everything by the looks of it. Yeah, it has multiple food courts, which was the most surprising thing to me. Like, I knew it had 
a water park and a theme park, but I did not There's know. There's food in here, too. There's also sandwiches, <laughs> so that was <laughs> Two food courts. That's crazy. You can eat a sandwich on a water slide. You can eat a sandwich anywhere your heart desired That's the in there. height of life, I think. You can eat a cinnamon bun on a pirate ship. Wow, yeah. That I should don't... be kind of the tagline I for think, the mall, I think. I think I should do advertising. <laughs> cinnamon buns on a pirate uh, ship. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, w- I want to ask just... Yeah, you... Your music is kind of what what brought us together, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, um, what grow you grew up in? Uh, I guess small town Nova yeah. Scotia yourself, and we we ask a lot of people what what their parents' role was in in bringing them into a creative life. Like, I know your dad is an artist. Yeah. Um, how how have they inspired you? to be the artist that you are like what or not yeah i know i was like i don't know like dad obviously pursuing painting and that's been his career my whole life has i've been exposed to the creative lifestyle yeah they enrolled me in piano lessons like against my will i think as a little kid i was like no this sucks but like now i look back i'm like that's awesome i'm super grateful for that so common with piano yeah. lessons specifically. Yeah. Even the kid I nanny now is in piano lessons. And she every week I'm like, we got to go to piano lessons now. And she's like, this is dumb. And I'm like, you're going to be 27 you someday. You could be me someday. I know. <laughs> and she uh, also, a little confused about non-binary, but calls me a, a showgirl. She thinks that's what being a musician is. Oh, that's sweet. And they came to one of my all-ages shows. Super cute. And now she wants to be a musician. Yeah. Or a horseback rider. But I'm like, you're going to like love piano lessons someday. Just trust me. Let's yeah. go. She can sing on a horse. Yeah. Yeah. That could be a whole Speaking new thing. of marrying these worlds together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we like to... The premise of what we like to spread in terms of a message is just normalizing life as an artist. Yeah. Because... I think, again, this is something that's improving and Halifax is certainly a creative city and supportive of of the arts and artists. That's been our experience, at least for the most part. But we, too, grew up in small towns. It was not a lifestyle that was necessarily promoted that you were encouraged to pursue. Like you were either doing this or this. Yeah, it was still like you have to go to university and get a degree in like science or business or something that you can use. And look at me now. Yeah. Mm. So has was there a time where that or maybe still this is your experience that it's just harder to yeah. pursue this as a job and a yeah. career and 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 why? Uh, I don't know. It's it's weird. I even saw a tweet the other day that like obviously doesn't apply to everyone, but it was like um being like people always like make fun of like rich kids who just because their parents are rich they can pursue music or art or whatever. But then someone replied to that and was like, it's funny how, like, when humans don't have to worry about getting food on the table, they resort to creativeness and, like, arts. Wow. Yeah. I feel like that kind of sums it up. Yeah. Which is why we've talked about universal basic income as being such a progressive way of supporting a populace. Yeah. Like, imagine the art that would flourish if you removed that financial security concern from the equation yeah yeah and so we're two people a married couple now trying to pursue life as artists and it's funny because i would say like 90 percent of my 
day, my tasks, my emotions are satisfied being an artist. Like, Mm -hmm. I I love this. I love having removed myself from the corporate world. I even am really proud to be following the beaten paths or the unbeaten path, so to speak. But there is always that kind of looming anxiety about when's the next paycheck come or I have no idea what next month looks like versus before it was the total opposite of that, which is a whole other collection of, you know, that's crappy. Fears and anxiety. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But yeah. it's it's like, I don't know, ha- having a little bit of that insecurity, do you find that impacts your creativity, I suppose? Um, not so much. Like, I guess I'm more grateful than that others to have the support system for my family that I do, that it is possible. I mean, I do nanny just to be able to pay the rent, but I've found a job and a family that is willing to, like, work with my creative career, which I think is different. Like. When I'm like, I have to book this off for shows or I need this weekend to go to these Coast Music Awards, like they're 100 percent on board with supporting my career, which is huge. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. To even like I have a job to make money, but that job supports this job. Nice. And I think that's a common story with artists, too. I know like your bandmates, Mike, all have other jobs, do they not? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. For the most part. Um. And I've had a million other jobs up until the last few years, really. Like, I yeah. was always just trying to figure out a way to survive, doing the most random things, like yeah. being a a live window model, setting up <laughs> concerts at the Metro Center, mowing lawns, working in restaurants, just, like, whatever I could do to survive. Yeah. Uh, and that is that's hard on you for sure. I think in terms of like affecting creativity, not so much, but it does like where I think all my bandmates are in the same position. We all have day jobs. So trying to work around like their other bands that they're in and my band and their day jobs and my day jobs, it does become like a task to find like one day a week for two hours where we can get together. Just to rehearse. Just to rehearse yeah. or yeah. write or Yeah. Yeah, you go through that too. Yeah, managing schedules off that's like multiple tough people when is, we all have different jobs. Yeah, and it's it's uh, it can impact like how your career progresses as well. Yeah. Like you, like I've I had to become the the driving force in well everything I guess just because if other people are working their other job, they just can't put the time into what needs to be done. Like it's. You can put as many hours as you want into your career, or as few as you want as well, but the ones who put the extra time in are the ones who usually find success. And But it's a little bit scary because there's 24 hours in a day, and you could theoretically work every single hour off every day, and there's still not even be close to accomplishing the things you want to. So it's for me, it's always been a struggle of being able to feel like I'm working enough and accomplishing what I need to and also enjoying the rest of my time too yeah. because I know if I put in a 12-hour day, like I'm still going to bed thinking of, okay, I should have did this, this, and this as well. Yeah. Like It's just it's just endless. So it, it comes down to creating a mindset, I think, of just 
being happy with the work that you do and knowing that the time you're doing it, you're you're putting everything you can into it and trying to be satisfied with that. But it it is a struggle when yeah. you're when you're trying to grow because growth as an artist can be hard to achieve. How do each of you feel about, and, and I ask you this because it kind of came up for me this morning. So here in Halifax, we have what's called the Coast's Best Dev Awards. Mm. So it's this annual nomination process. Who won Best Artist last year? Well, thanks to you and all those who promoted, I was lucky to take that win home. And, and it's, you know, aside from like, what does this mean and what do awards mean in general? That's a whole other thing. But I, I started thinking this morning about how much of our jobs are rooted in the support of other people. And sometimes I feel like I'm constantly asking for things. So yeah. will you you know, buy this product, but also vote for me in this contest, review our podcast, uh, rate our book and leave a comment and so our output is extreme. Like we're we're doing all of these things which we enjoy and it's it's going okay whatever that means. But I I don't know, it's one of the few jobs where we completely rely on just crossing our fingers other people will like what we're doing. Yeah. So how do you deal with that? I don't. I just ignore it. <laughs> I just hide. I throw it on social media and then I'm gone. My brain forgets it's out there. Does it matter? Does it matter like what the social media response is to you? Not really. I yeah. mean, like it's great when people pre-buy tickets to my show so it's not canceled, but like I can't control anyone. And I also feel like, like you said, like where you're asking them to do this and that and this and that. Like I feel like that's, even as someone who sees that, I'm like, well, that's overwhelming. Like I can't even think about doing any of those things. So. Right. I've kind of in the past year also just dialed back how much I'm posting on social media so that when I do post, people are like, oh, my God, where he posted? What's it about? I should because I just find like I didn't want to be that overwhelming presence. Yeah. But I I haven't really noticed a difference. Honestly, people are just going to do what they do. Is social media your primary means of marketing? Yeah. Yeah. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, I think, are my top three that I usually promote on. Yeah. It seems hard to imagine what it would have been like without these, I'll, I'll call them tools, but yeah. they're also our nemesis in lots of ways. We're, we're fortunate that we have this platform to talk about our art and promote shows and, and all these people. things. Yeah. yeah. But it, yeah, it starts to feel like, is this too like much? And, and overwhelming and just like something I don't want to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you have to question, if I'm feeling this way about doing the posts or doing the work how is my audience starting to yeah. feel but you need them yep yeah how do you feel about that well yeah you definitely need to create a loyal following who are supporting your supporting everything you do is as an artist if you can't create that then you're doomed like you need at least probably a hundred people who are willing to by everything you do, whether it's concert tickets, shirts, hats, albums, and without uh, the supportive fan base, you just you can't exist. Like you need, you can't exist as an artist making your living off the art. You have to have another job or have to have some source of income. But if you're one hundred percent trying to make your living off 
the arts, then you need you need to be trying to find those people, whatever it may be. And you asked Ellis, uh, how do you deal with the social media and uh, just trying to find that that I guess supportive group? And I've heard other people in the creative world say that there's only one way to do it and that's become undeniable. Hmm. So that's like, that's easy. Yeah. It's, <laughs> but I think like that, that's obviously vague and like, sounds may, like a threat. Maybe even, but it's, it's like, okay, I'm writing a song. Is this, is this good? Or, uh, it's, I think it's Okay. I think if you say, if you think it's just okay, it's probably not undeniable, you know, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like you have, like, I think it's just getting to a point where you truly believe in it and other people truly believe in it. And maybe that's a very small number to start, but if, you know, if someone's willing to get a tattoo with your song lyrics, like that's at least undeniable to that person. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, okay. If there's at least one person out there who thinks it's so frigging awesome that it's worth putting on my body forever, and that that's just one example, like, but there's got to be more people who are willing to to fall into my fan base kind of thing. So for me, like, I don't walk around I'm like I'm undeniably awesome or anything like that. But I think I just look for things that really can resonate with an audience. And resonate with fans and then see what's actually working and trying to gravitate towards that and lean into those things that I create that people appreciate. I'm just being undeniable to my or to myself because I just get tattoos of my own songs. <laughs> that works. <laughs> That's a good representation. Yeah. You have to have yeah, you have to have confidence. Too. Confidence and advertising. Exactly. What's your do you have a favorite? Tattoo? Ugh, I don't know. Is that like Maybe. a mean question to ask well, someone with tattoos? Well, this one's more emotional. Yeah. But this one's just stunning. That naked lady. Yeah. And is she uh, like a, a first tattoo? Like where did that? No, okay. This is my first tattoo. I just like, I love women <laughs> and boobs. <laughs> Can I say that? <laughs> you can say whatever you want on this I podcast. Love I like that too. On record, I love boobs. That's a three for three on the boobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I just, I don't know, I just think the female body, a feminine body, mm -hmm. is just beautiful. It's art. Yeah. So you should just put them... So I got art. Good for you. I got it as art. Do you have... Is there a top show or a moment in your career that stands out for you? An unforgettable... Unforgettable show moment. I think two that stand out in my mind um first would be my first ever music week for music nova scotia i had just like i'd never performed with a full four-piece band before but i applied anyway and then i found a four-piece band like i found people to play with me and then i found out i got accepted so i had to reach out and be like i'm actually like a four-piece band now like so whatever <gasps> and they just adjusted it for me and playing my first ever music week with my first show with a four-piece band and having that room be full. And I was the first person on that night, which I feel like most people don't go to the first few shows, but the room was full. Yeah, it was. Yeah. You've really made a name for yourself in this city. Yeah. Like, people are coming out. They're curious, and 
you have a voice, both, of, of course, a beautiful singing voice. And I have to say, your voice is very, like, sultry, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good descriptor or how, you know, being a professional musician that's received. But <laughs> I don't know. Like, there's something just very soothing about your sound like lyrics aside like just the way that if I was just you know sitting with headphones that's how I would describe it but I think that you attract a really diverse audience because who you are and how you sound and like it creates such a cool package deal that yeah. you show up with so I am not surprised that opening act you pack the room yeah and so, so cool. what's uh, what's the second show that comes that was, to mind? That uh, was Halifax Pride last year. Yeah. That was my first time playing, like, on one of those, like, outdoor big stages. That was, like, such a cool experience, just, like, as a whole, not even the show itself. And we were opening for, um, who was it? Dance Movie? Is that? That's, like, Tara Thorne's band, right? Yeah. And yeah. Um, Century Egg and Hillsburn. So even to just be on the same stage that, those three bands played on and I got to play before them and just being able to play a pride was incredible. I want to ask each of you who your dream band would be that you would play with, be it open for or they'd open for you, whatever, just share a stage with. <laughs> well, I guess the, 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 them, the bands I would think of them opening for us would geez mean a lot of things went well, I guess. Well, that's okay. <laughs> this is for fun. Uh, well, we both really like the National, and they play some huge, huge rooms. I'll do a lot of a lot of stadium tours and mm -hmm. huge, uh, huge festivals. And they'd be, com I think, you'd be complimentary as well, like same sort of styles of music. Yeah, it's alternative rock. There's probably a little more indie. Ours is probably a little more. I don't know if mainstream is the right word or not, but uh, that they would be fun to have open for us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and how about you? I was thinking of like, like ideally if I could open for like queer people or, or women um, that would kind of fit with my sound, I would say Phoebe Bridgers or King Princess. Mm. And then just like ideal world, I get to open for whoever I want. I would say like, Harry Styles or Billie Eilish because I just of course. I think they have fan bases that also would like like my sound and just like what I represent and stand for yeah yeah both just such a they're fierceful performers yeah Harry Styles like I would love just to have that wardrobe in my closet right? like those jumpsuits and, and all those like tall pants and suspenders yes and, yep. I'm here for it <laughs> yeah Fashion King. We watched a, um, what's it called? An interview with Billie Eilish recently with David Letterman. I forget the name of that show. It's on Netflix, but he, you know, he has different My people. My next guest. My next guest, yeah. And it's funny because I found she was so unassuming about her talent. Yeah. Like, this is, she's probably, I don't know, top five biggest artists in the world right, right now. now. Yeah. And very young and, uh, unique like she's she's brought and without really being vocal about it too i have found she's brought just like new ideas about body types because she's yeah. not this wafy you know 
size zero, long hair. Like she pushed boundaries with fashion and lyrics. Her approach even to singing is like she's not about these huge, bursty, powerful notes all the time. She's like whisper singing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why are we whispering? Yeah. Why is this (laughs) happening? But I kind of like it. Yeah. No, she's unreal. She's done so much for like a shift in like music industry with genre and fashion and just like the way she presents herself. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that just leading by example, there's a lot to be said about just. Showing up is who you are. You don't have to be standing on a soapbox. You can just yeah. be you and look at what that does for yeah. young yeah. young people, for the industry. Yeah, very oh, cool. Oh, another one would be Lizzo. Yeah. I think that would be Badass. unreal. Just we don't, we would not fit together by genre at all. I don't know. <laughs> that would be a power couple though. Right? <laughs> yeah. Us singing juice together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what? these are some good choices, I think. What we ask a lot of our guests on here if um or first off what what they think making it is and you feel you've made it as an artist <laughs> or you in the process or what what does that mean to you? I think that is subjective. So you said to me, I think making it is just when you've like created something you're happy with. Like cuz I think a lot of people would based on like how much money you're making or if you can live off this career. But I I think it's mostly just like, are you happy with your work and your message and what you're doing and how you're presenting yourself? So yeah, I think I have. That's great. Yeah. I love that answer. Like just being clear and authentic with who you are and that can be making it no matter what the, no matter how big your audience or how, if you sell out shows or how much money you're making on streams, I just, yeah. I really love this question that we've asked people because Mike and I did a whole episode on this topic just with one another. And I have found everyone has offered a different kind of perspective, of course, about what that means to them. But it's given me new ideas to think about like, oh, yeah, that's really important in in this life. And yeah, so thanks for sharing that. Cool. And what do you uh, what do you hope happens with your your next recording uh, where do you see that taking you and your your career going over the next couple years well what's what's very hoping for uh i am hoping to start getting into sync licensing because i feel like that's a big way to reach new audiences and get your songs and shows and movies uh that's been something i've been interested in but don't really know where to start with that and um i'd like to tour i've never been on a tour because i started like two years before covid and by the time i actually had made a name for myself covid hit so i haven't i haven't even been able to tour nova scotia so yeah whatever that tour looks like if it's nova scotia or the east coast or canada or europe or whatever i'd like to be able to do that well and you had an opportunity that you had to cancel correct i know i think they um might have deferred us to next year i can't say for sure um but we're hoping to be able to hit Futrecos in sweden this nice. year if if it all works out well congrats on receiving that invitation yeah, i'm sure thank it you. will it'll work out i hope so you guys can come with us yeah you want to play guitar <laughs> sure you're on the spot now you're uh, on air <laughs> <laughs> let's see what the new songs end up like if i if i end up playing guitar on the new yeah. album yeah yeah so, Burry, let us know, let our audience know, where can they find you? Where can they find your music or your profile? And if you have any shows coming up that you want to 
right? Promote. We'd be happy when to When is this it. episode coming out? Should I push Soon. Soon next week. Because I do have a show June 30th at the Seahorse. I'm opening for Hinterwood, and they are from Ontario, and Persephone is on that bill as well. And then July 7th is the Music Nova Scotia Spring Preview with Jade Bennett, Jaden Austin, and King Woos. And that's it for my summer shows. And then I'm off to the studio with Mike. You're off to right here. Right here. I'm <laughs> off to here to write and record. Um, and as far as social media, I'm Burry Official on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. B-U-R-R-Y. U-R-R-Y. Official. No one knows how to spell that. Though. No, I just sounded out official. That's how I write it well, it's awesome having you here in our little space, and we wish you nothing but the best of luck ahead, and I'm excited to, to work on some upcoming songs. And yeah, let's just keep having fun and keep spreading the, the positive vibes and the good word. We, we're just uh, yeah honored to, to have you here in our space. Thanks, Mom and, and Dad. Life. You're welcome, sweetheart. Aww. <laughs>